Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. Good to see you. What a, what a beautiful day out there. Isn't it awesome? It's so great. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's finally chilling up. Finally, finally, finally getting cold. Uh, I'm pretty excited. After the service today, Lynn and I are going up to Julian for about three days. Some of you, if you haven't been up there, it's up, uh, kind of outside San Diego, gold country up in the mountains. And it's just, it's cold. And they've got apple pie. And it's like, what else, you know? We're actually going with some friends. And Buddy and I, were riding our motorcycles up. The girls are going up in, in a car. And so we're just looking forward to that. And, uh, but I want to welcome you here today. If this is your very first time, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm really glad you're here. Inside your program is a, a message note sheet. It's, it's white and green. We're going to take it out and use it in just a minute. I uh, just want to give you a heads up on a couple of things. Number one is that if you are new, about once a month, Lynn and I have a special dessert. It's called the Next Step Dessert. You can read about it in your program. Uh, it's, it's designed for those of you who are brand new. We just had one last weekend. It was a great time, about 25 new people to church. Just fun to hear the stories of kind of who you are, where you're coming from, what, what God's doing in your life. And so it's just a casual time to know each other, hear a little bit of our story, a little bit about the church, have a great dessert. That's always the stable. And, uh, and just it's a, it's a just a good time to get connected. And so we've got one coming up on December the 4th. And it's coming up in a couple weeks. And so if you're, you're interested, you can go online, sign up for that. Or you can just write on the back of your Connect card and so your program, Next Step Dessert, and we'll contact you with information. Also, just want to give you a heads up. Some of you have probably noticed that the last few weeks we haven't had JD leading worships. Just want to make sure you know nothing's wrong with that. We just kind of give him a, a kind of a brief mini, little mini sabbatical. He'll be back in about two weeks. So he'll be back not next week, but the following weekend. So he's doing uh, great and just kind of uh, getting some extra rest. So um, but we are going to go into our time of teaching right now. And so uh, are you all ready to go? Yeah. All right. Uh, me too. So uh, let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, we sense you in the move in our lives. That you're, you're teaching, you're shaping, you're calling, you're challenging, you're transforming. That your spirit is alive and well here. That he's working in our life. And, and every week as we come... New time of teaching, we, we just sense you on the move, taking the next step in our journey together. And so, God, we pray that today as we come, as we seek you, as we open our hearts, that you would speak by your spirit, that we would respond and listen, and we would continue on this journey of transformation. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story starts today. It was a Tuesday. It was, uh, it was August 31st of, of this past year, just a few months ago. And uh, I had a long day. You probably all had one of those. Uh, kind of long, had a long day at the, at the office because it's kind of a difficult day. And I, I got home about uh, 7 o'clock that night and uh, still needed to work out. I, I'd started a new workout program about three or four weeks before that, so I needed to, to jump in and do that workout program, kind of stay on schedule. And so I'd gone out, and it was still early in the program, still was still kind of kicking my you-know-what. And so, so now it's, I, I work out for about an hour and a half. I come back in the house. now 8.30. I go upstairs. I uh, uh, get a shower. And now I come down, it's about 9 o'clock, and it is the golden moment in the day. You know what I'm talking about? Like when the day is done. Like those of you with little kids, you, you understand this, right? It's like, it's like and that's, it's your time. It's not Miller time, it's Mike time, right? It's like, like this, for those of you who've been in our house, I was figuring this up last night in the last five years. I think we've had about 1,500 people in our house, a lot of you, I mean you. And so, uh, so a lot of you have been there. You kind of picture this in, a, in our in our TV room, we've got that kind of red sofa there. It's, it's a down-feathered, you know, sofa, really soft. And so it's 9 o'clock, and I, I'm ready to kick back. i got a great book. I'm ready to go. And uh, I've been waiting all day for this. And, and so I sit down, open the book. A couple pages in, it happens. Um, I, I began to sense kind of an awareness on, uh, coming from the back of my mind that, that something is wrong with my wife, Lynn. Some, something's wrong. And, and it's nothing big. It's not obvious. It's not like she's slamming cabinets. Nothing like that. Um, maybe that's for another time, another story. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. She never does that. <laughs> she's down here. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Lynn. Just kidding. We're going away for three days. Just joking. Just joking. <laughs> to make sure we're, we're, doing, we're good. And... Uh, I'm there reading my book, and all of a sudden, I just begin to be aware that something's, something's wrong. In fact, in fact, something's been wrong ever since I got home. It's just I was too focused and self-absorbed to kind of realize it. And so now I've got a decision to make. What do I do? It's the perfect moment, right? It's 9 o'clock. I've just sat down. I got the book. I'm ready to go. This is my time. 
and, and if I ask her if there's anything wrong, I don't know where this is going to lead. Right? And, and so I'm sitting there trying to decide what to do. Well, today uh, we're continuing a series that we've been in for the last few months. It's called Freedom. And for those of you who are brand new here at Rocky Peak, I always like to start just for take a couple minutes at the top end of the message and just kind of quickly bring you up to speed. This is a series that's uh, based on a letter that was sent from a man named the Apostle Paul to some young Christ followers, some new churches that he and his ministry buddy had started in the Roman province of Galatia. And so he called this a letter to the Galatians. And, and so uh, in this letter, he's, uh, he's talking to them about what it means to be a Christ follower. And, and the, the big idea of the letter is that Christ has come to set us free. That he's come to set us free from our past. He's come to set us free from our old life. He's come to set us free to, to, to move in the future that God has for us, to be all that we're created to be. And, and it's all a result of the life and death of, of Christ in our, in our, on our behalf. And so um, in, in this letter, if you've been with us the last, uh, the, during the second mini-series we're calling The Spirit, what Paul's been saying is that the key to experiencing this freedom that Christ died to give us, the, the key is learning to follow the leadership of his Holy Spirit who comes into our life when we give our lives to Christ. And if we learn to follow his leading, follow his promptings, that will move increasingly into freedom. And so to help us understand then what does this freedom look like, what, it, what does it look like to follow the leading of the Spirit, he gives us a couple long lists in chapter 5 of Galatians. And, and one says, this, this is what it looks like when you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is what it looks like when you're not, when you're following the leadership of the dark side, your old fallen human nature. And so he's given us these two lists. Now if you've been here the last uh, few weeks, you know, we just finished the, the first list, the longer list, what he calls the acts of the sinful nature, the dark side. And then last week we started this second list. It's a shorter list. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, this is what your life will look like. This is what you'll experience when you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so he gives us, he gives us nine examples. And, and so last week we looked at the first three. So today we're going to continue on uh, and, and look at the, the, uh, uh, the next five. So if you have your Bibles there, you know, uh, open them up. You have a section there on your, on your note sheet called the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to pick it up at verse 22, 522. He says, um, but the fruit of the Spirit, in other words, uh, th this, is what, uh, this is what the Holy Spirit will produce as we follow his leadership. Now, let's get clear on this. You know, when I was a kid, uh, one of the verses I learned was the fruit of the Spirit. If you've grown up in church, a lot of you, lot of you probably learned that. Um, but the idea was almost like, okay, this is what you're supposed to be. You're a Christ follower. You're supposed to be this. Okay, so put this list on your shelf or on your, your kitchen or put it in your bathroom mirror or something. You know, go out and do this. This is who you're supposed to be. And, and that's really not what Paul's saying. What, what he's saying is, no, is, is it as you follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life, this is the fruit that he is going to bear supernaturally in your life. This is not something we do. This is something he creates as we follow his leadership. You see the difference? And so he says, the fruit of the Spirit, and he gives us some, some uh, examples, is love, it's joy, it's peace. We looked at those three last week. And then he's going to give us six more. It's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? And so last week we looked at the first three. We're going to look at the next five today. Now, before we jump in, though, I want to do just a real quick review of where we've been the last couple weeks to make sure we're clearing it in the big picture. What we've been learning in Galatians 5 is that Paul says that when we come to Christ, we give our life to Christ, we're made right with God, made not based on our performance, but based on Christ's performance in our place on the, on the cross, right? That, that we come into this new relationship with God. It's not, it's not based on our efforts or our worthiness. It's based on what Christ did. And we call that the, that teaching, the, the teaching about what? Good, one person. Justification. Yeah. <laughs> All I need is one. I can bring the rest of you up to speed quickly. Uh, justification, yeah. So justification means we're, we're made right with God. We're justified with God, not based on our performance, based on Christ's performance on the cross. When you trust that, you're justified. You're made right with God. And so you enter then into this new relationship with God. You become a son or a daughter of God. And, and because we're sons and daughters, he sends the spirit of his son into our heart, the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he begins to transform and change us from the inside out. And, and he's going to transform us to make us like 
like Christ. That's the goal. And we call that process of transformation, we call it what? Good. Very good. Thanks, Amy. Welcome to the service. My name is Mike. Uh, today we're starting a brand new series. No. Um, good. Sanctification. Yeah, that's the process. Now, so, so what's really, uh, uh, the last couple of weeks, what we've looked at then is we've looked at this, this passage in 2 Corinthians 3 where Paul talks about this process. And I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but, but I want to kind of focus in again quickly because it's so important that we get this, that when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're not talking about what we produce by our, our self-effort and our discipline and our Bible study and whatever, that we're talking about what the Holy Spirit produces in our life as we follow his leading, okay? So there in your note sheet, real quickly, it says, 2 Corinthians 3, now the Lord is the Spirit, and I saw the Holy Spirit is the Lord, uh, part of the triune God, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's freedom. Okay, so that's our topic in Galatians 5, right? Christ has come to set us free. The key is learning to follow the leadership of the Spirit. That's what we've been learning in chapter 5 of Galatians. That's what he's saying exactly here. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And, and we, we as Christ's followers with unveiled faces, we all reflect the Lord's glory. We're being what? Okay, we're being transformed. We're being changed. And, and so I've not mentioned this before for a while, but uh, that word transformed in the Greek is the Greek word metamorpho. It's the word that we get our word metamorphosis from. Uh, metamorphosis, the process of change, like a tadpole goes through on its way to becoming a frog. Very good. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, take you back. You know, it's like kindergarten again, boys and girls. All right. Uh, it's a process of transformation that a, a, a caterpillar goes through on the way to becoming a butterfly. Okay. And, and, so, and metamorphosis is the process we go through being transformed to become like Christ, exactly, which is exactly what he says. He says, we're being transformed into his likeness. We're like little Christ, okay? That's what Christian means, little Christ. It's the whole point. And he says, and, and, we're being, and it's happening with ever-increasing glory. In other words, the longer you follow Jesus, the more you should become like Jesus. And it says, which comes from the Lord, this whole process comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so, so this is what we've been learning. You become a Christ follower, Holy Spirit comes in your life, the Holy Spirit begins transforming and leading a, a transformation process in your life to make you like Jesus, okay? So that's a big picture. So when we get to Galatians 5, and he says, let me tell you the fruit of the Spirit, what he's really doing doing is he's saying, let me give you some specific illustrations of what it looks like to be like Christ. Let me, let me give you some character qualities, some experiences. And this is the fruit the Spirit will create in your life to transform you to be like Christ. And so he gives us these nine examples, okay? So, so last week we looked at the first three. Today it's the next five. So there in your note sheet is the fruit of the Spirit, the character of Christ. And we're going we're gonna to run through these five examples that he gives, okay? So number one, the first example that we're going to look at today is patience, and I'm going to define that as an inner strength. First one he mentions today is inner strength. So 5.22, you look at Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, it's what he does in our lives, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, talked about those last week, and then the first one he mentions today is, is patience. Now, the word patience in the Greek, it comes from actually two different Greek words, that are put together, right? So the, the first Greek word is the word makros. It's where we get our word macro from, like in computer language, macro. Uh, it's, it's like our macroeconomics. So, so makros, and makros means long, right? Now, the second word is the word thumos, and the word thumos means anger or temper. So when you put these two words together, you get the Greek word makrothumia, and it means to be long-tempered. Now, we don't use the word long-tempered, but we use the opposite word. We talk about someone who is short-tempered, okay? So if someone's short-tempered, it means they have a short fuse, that they're easily irritated. They get frustrated easy with life, with people, and so they, they, they blow up, they, they have uh, anger issues, uh, frustration, they may quit, they may, they may get frustrated and quit. But, but so, so macrothumia is the opposite of that. It's having a long fuse, okay? It's, it's, it's becoming a person that's not easily frustrated. We're not easily irritated. We don't easily quit. We have macrothumia. So catch this. What Paul is saying is, is this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, okay? He wants to create in you the capacity, this inner strength, to become a person who can cope with life, 
and you can really carry the weight of life without freaking out, without getting irritated, without being frustrated, without, without quitting. He wants to change you from the inside out so you have this inner strength, okay, to bear up under life's weight. So, for example, in the book of Proverbs, we have a great example of this. Uh, where, where uh, patience is defined as inner strength. And it's there in Proverbs 16 on your note sheet. And it says, better a patient man than a what? A warrior. See, when you think of a warrior, you think of someone who's very strong, right? Very strong, courageous. And he says, yeah, but it's better to, to be a patient man, to have that inner strength of control yourself than, than to be able just to control others, uh, you know, as a warrior. A man who controls his temper is better than one who takes a city. And so, so it's a form of inner strength. That the Holy Spirit, when he comes in our life, and this is why it's so important when we get this, this is not something just, I'm going to determine to be patient in my life right? And I'm going to white knuckle this and I'm going to create, that's not what this is about. This is about the Holy Spirit creating a new inner strength so that things that once would throw you off, that once would really irritate you, that once would really frustrate you, that once would cause you to quit, they no longer do. That There is this new strength in your life and with it there is freedom. Right? There's a freedom to cope with life. Now, one of the things I want to do uh, with every one of these examples, just like we did last week, since we're calling the fruit of the Spirit the character of Christ, it's really, a, it's sort of a, uh, I want to illustrate these from his life. Okay? We want to see these qualities from his life. So when you think of patience, uh, I mean, it, I, I can't think of uh, too many words that better describe Jesus, you know? When you think of his life, uh, just you kind of go back, uh, once he started his ministry, he was incredibly busy. And so if you study his life, what you find out is he had to get up really early in the morning to spend time with God because people are just hunting, hunting him down. They want to be healed, they want to be taught or whatever. So, so he would start his day early. He would have long days. He would teach all day. He would heal all day. He's traveling all day. And, and then when he get there, there's these huge crowds. Everyone's clamoring around him. Everyone's trying to touch him just to get healed. Uh, he's got his, his closest followers, and they don't get it half the time, right? And when they do get it, they soon forget it. And so uh, they're just not the, the sharpest tools in the shed. And, and so they're, 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 you know, they're, you know, they would be frustrating enough. Sometimes they're even challenging him on things. Are you sure that's really, you know, the right? And, and so then you got his enemies who are around him all the time. And they're looking for him to trip him up on any kind of any way they can to so they can arrest him or kind of come up with charges to kill him. And so this is the life of Jesus. Jesus. I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy, and yet if you've ever read through the story of his life, one of the impressions you'll get right away is the peace that he has in his life. He, he's just always busy, but he's never in a hurry. You catch what Jesus? He, says, he, he, just, he is very much at peace. He's got this patience with life, with circumstance, with, with people. He just, kinda, he just has this inner strength he can bear up. And so what Paul is saying is this is what the Holy Spirit does. He, he wants to turn you into this kind of person that has this kind of strength that can cope with, with life. And you have this inner strength to be able to bear up under weights, uh, the, life of, uh, the pressure of life. Okay? Let, let me give you an example. Um, I mentioned it at the top, I mentioned the story, I'm not going to know the story right now, but I mentioned that back in August I started this new, this new um, workout program, and, and, and it's a true story. Um, I came back from uh, a week off, and uh, I, I weighed more than I'd ever weighed in my life, and so I decided this would probably be a good time to, to do something about it. And so I started this new workout program, and I think I've mentioned it in one, one other message uh, back in October, but it, it's called P90X. Right? And so some of you have, have heard that, heard that I'm doing that, and so now you're emailing me. We've got this little club going uh, here at Rocky Peak. In fact, the next step dessert last week, there were some people there done P90X. Woo, you know, we're all talking about it. So, um, but if you've, if you've never heard of it, uh, count your blessings. Um, <laughs> but let me bring you up to speed uh, quickly. It's like a, it's a DVD workout system, right? And so you, you put it in, and, the, and you, you, you try to do what they do. And uh, it is pretty demanding. It's like it's an hour, hour and a half every day, um, uh, seven days a week. And, and it's pretty, uh, pretty demanding, especially if you're not in very good shape, which I, I wasn't. And, and so when I started off uh, that first week, I, seriously, I, I thought I was going to die. Um, I, I mean, there's many times I'm calling out to Jesus to come. You know, you know, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, now, you know, um, before I die, you know, and this can be embarrassing. Um, and, and so, uh, seriously, I'd put this thing on, I'd be breathing so hard, I mean, it's been like an hour, you know, hour workout, I'm taking like an hour and 45 minutes because I'm pausing the thing so often. I mean, my, my heart's beating, I'm sweating, my muscles are shaking, I'm laying on the floor, they, they're like, he keeps saying, no, don't sit down, we're taking a break, don't sit down. It's like, are you kidding me? I got a chair there. It's like permanently rooted, you know? It's like at this chair, I'm wearing out the chair. And so, uh, this is my life. You know, I'm about ready. I, I can't, I can't do it. And why? Because, because I didn't have the strength required 
to do what they were asking me to do. Like, I, I, I couldn't bear the weight of my own body. See? I, I, couldn't, I couldn't, my heart couldn't take what they were asking of me. And, and so that's how it started. But you know what the beautiful thing is, if you've ever worked out, you know this, that if you persevere, your body begins to adapt, doesn't it? And, and over time, you, you, it begins to get stronger. And you'll be able to, to do things you, you couldn't do. And so I'm you know, a few weeks in this thing, a couple months in this thing. It's like, this is exciting. Like things that used to almost kill me. I, like I can now do this and not only do it, I can do it with strength. I, I can bear up under the same weight that I used to. I couldn't even do this thing once. I can do it 10 times now, and I feel great doing it, right? That's like macrothumia, okay? The inner strength comes when you're able to, where God strengthens you, you're able to bear up under the weight and the pressures of life, and it doesn't exhaust you. It doesn't push you over the edge. It doesn't send you off the handle. It doesn't cause you to quit because what once would have pushed you over, now somehow the Holy Spirit strengthened you. You're more like Jesus. You have the capacity to cope. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so here's a beautiful thing, and I want you to catch this for every one of these. That here's a beautiful thing. What Paul is saying is this is where God is taking you. Like, if you will simply follow, if you will simply listen, if you'll simply do what he'll ask, when he asks it, this is what he'll create in your life. And for everyone, he will create, he will change you to be like Christ, okay? Now, the second one, the second example he gives is kindness. And, and I'm defining this as a deeper sensitivity, so Paul says one of the things that will happen as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life is that he will progressively create a deeper kindness in you, uh, kind of a sensitivity. Now th this word in the Greek is an interesting word. You don't need to write it down. It's kind of hard to even say, Christotides. And it's, uh, but it's, it's kind of a generic word. Um, it, it's one of those words that can be translated in a variety of ways depending on the, on the context. Sometimes it's translated as goodness. Sometimes it's translated as uh, a generosity or benevolence, like towards someone who's, you're, 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 like you give money or support to someone who's in need. So it can, be, it can be translated in a wide variety of ways, but one of the most common ways of translating, it's what the translators have done here, is kindness. And, and it has to do with, with a, a kind of a, a deeper sensitivity to the needs and the emotions of others around us. Okay, so, so we're, we're aware of what others are, are feeling, we're aware of what they're needing, and, and we, we're, we're moved to reach out to them in ways that help meet those needs. That's, that's a picture of kindness. So the opposite would be like harshness or insensitivity to the needs around. We're just, not, we're just kind of oblivious, we're, we're not aware, or we don't care, okay? So now when you, when you stop and think, this obviously is one of the character qualities of Jesus. Um, one of the things I love about Jesus is he's, he's such a man's man. Okay? Like, like I'm a man, like you haven't noticed, I, I'm a man. And, and I, I respect, like I respect strong men, okay? Like, like if I'm going to follow someone, it's not going to be a wimp. I just kind of guarantee you that, that I don't have a lot of respect for wimpy guys. And so, so I, if I'm going to follow, it's got to be someone who's a strong person, right? And, and one of the things that I've always loved about Jesus is that he's definitely a man's man. Like, he, the guy is tough as nails. He, he's sort of fearless. Um, and, and you see this throughout his, his ministry in a variety of ways. You know, we talked about a few weeks ago in Revelation uh, chapter 19. He's coming back. He's got the tattoo on his side. He's got the sword coming on his mouth. He's drenched in blood. You know, he's like, my kind of guy. He's just like, all right. You know, it's like, like you, you don't mess with Jesus, okay? He is a tough dude. You do not mess with Jesus, okay? But... The thing I love about Jesus is that he's not just tough, he's tender, okay? He's got this incredible blend of toughness and, and tender. He, he, can take out, he can take out the whole temple complex uh, with a makeshift whip by himself and clear the place, um, but he's got this amazing kindness about him. So I was thinking about this week. Just think with me some of, some of the stories of his life. One of my favorite stories, Mark chapter one, early in his ministry, uh, this leper comes up to Jesus, kind of really begging him to, to heal him. And, and, and we're told that in Mark that, that Jesus had this tremendous, his heart had full of, it was, it was filled with compassion. And here's this guy that hasn't been touched probably in years because he's got leprosy. And so Jesus could have just said, be healed. He could have just healed him, right? Because that's how he heals lots of people, just by saying it. But it says he reaches out and he touches him. 
Now, now why does he touch it? Because the man needed more than physical healing. He needed to be touched. He hadn't been hugged. He hadn't been touched in years. He needed touch. And, and that's Jesus. I mean, Jesus is aware of what we need. He's aware of what you need. He's aware of people need. There's a kindness that moves him towards people. Uh, I love uh, the story. He and his men are walking one day into this, this village of Nain. And there's a funeral procession coming up. There's a single mom. And she's, she's, uh, she's lost her only son. And, and she's just heartbroken. And they're coming out and they're carrying the body out. And, and Jesus, without hardly saying a word, just goes up. He stops the procession. He, he reaches down. He heals this boy. And he brings him back to life. And he gives them to his mother. Now, what's going on there? He, he reads the situation. Here's a single mom who's lost her husband, probably to death. All she has is her, her son. He's going to take care of her in her old age. He's dead. Her life is falling apart. And Jesus just moves and flows to that. He senses and he just moves towards it in kindness. Uh, one of my favorite stories, uh, Luke 7, I think it is. But it's a, a story, Jesus is having dinner at the house of Simon the Pharisee. He's, he's reclining at table, his feet behind him. And in the middle of dinner, this woman comes in, very sketchy past, probably, probably a prostitute. Um, and she comes in, and, and she's just overwhelmed with her, her life, just the sorrow, the kind of the, the, what her life has become. So she doesn't know what to do, so she kneels down behind him. She starts weeping and crying because she's just so broken up over her life. And the tears start falling on, her, her, on, on his feet, and a plan comes together in her mind right there. And she, she, she lets down her long hair. She begins uh, washing his feet with her, with her hair. Okay, now uh, the, the religious guys are all like, this is scandalous. Like, you know what kind of woman this is? And, and like, oh, touching your feet like that? And like, what's going on here? But man, when Jesus, he could care less. That's the fearless part. He turns around and he just loves this woman. He reaches out to her. He restores her. He draws her back to God. He, he restores her to who God made her to be. You see, th- this is Jesus. This is his kindness. And here's what I'm catching. I want you to catch is this is what he's after in our life. As you follow the Holy Spirit, he will take you and he will create a tenderness of heart. He won't remove the toughness, but he'll create a tenderness of heart towards people who are hurting. He'll create an awareness of those around you. Let me give you an illustration of this. Um, we started the day with this story of, of Lynn and I. You know, it's August 31st, uh, Tuesday night. I've come home late, you know, tired, work out, do P90X. Now you understand that. It was only three or four weeks in. I was dying. And uh, so I come in, it's 8.30, I'm exhausted, go up, take a shower, kind of revive myself, come back alive. Uh, I come down, now it's 9 o'clock, and it's just like it's been a crazy day, and it's that moment, right? It's that moment you wait for in the day, where it's just like, it's finally your time, and you could just kind of relax and do something you've been wanting to do, and, and it was just, it's just a great moment. And so I sit down, I got this good book, I sit down on our soft, soft sofa, and I kind of sink in, got the book going, and I'm starting to read a couple pages, I'm minding my own business, I'm minding my own business. And all of a sudden, I become aware that, like, at the back of my mind, that, that something is wrong with Lynn. Now, now again, now Lynn's, you know, she's not doing anything. She, she's, she's in the far, if you've been to our house, you can picture this. I'm in the TV room on the sofa. She's in the other room, the kitchen, far in, you know, at the, the table down there. So, so she's not near me. She's not saying anything. There's nothing. It's just this awareness just begins to rise in my head that something is wrong with, with Lynn. And I begin to realize that, 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 that it's, there's something been wrong ever since I have got home. It's just that I was too busy and focused and self-absorbed to realize it. And so now it's coming up, okay? So, so now I've got a choice. I've got a choice to make. I can either respond to this awareness or I can blow it off. And, and to be honest, I don't want to respond because I, I just want my time. It's like this is the time I've been waiting for all day, Right? And it's like, I don't know where this is going to lead. So, so, but, but it's in there. I really believe, and I began to sense, I, I believe this is the Holy Spirit. Like, he is bringing this up. And, and so this is one of the times I happen to obey. And so, <laughs> so, so I, I turn and I call out to her across the room, hey, uh, how you doing today? Just kind of testing the waters. Because you know, I, I, I know I'm going to be able to tell by her voice, like, like if I'm right or wrong. And sure enough, I could tell by her answer that, that something wasn't right. And so I invited her, hey, well, why don't you come over here and sit down with me? And so I invited her over to the couch. She came to the couch, and she sat down. I put my arm around her and gave her a hug. And I said, hey, what, what's up? What, what, what are you going through? And, and she begins to, to share that, 
It was just, it was a hard day. Here's why, but it's not just a hard day. It was a hard week. And she began to share some of the things we were going through as a family at that time. It was just some hard things. And her heart was kind of breaking. And as, as, as I listened and asked questions, we talked, it was a very tender moment for, for us in our marriage. It was a time of connection, right? So the next day I get up, and uh, she's left me a note. And she dated the note, which is why I know it's August 31st. <laughs> because those of you who know me, no, I probably wouldn't know. It was like five years ago? I don't know. Um, uh, and so this is what she wrote. It's dated at the top. She says, Michael, thanks for listening to me tonight and for tuning your heart in regarding this situation. It truly is breaking my heart. Love you, Lynn. You see, what was going on is that the Holy Spirit was raising my awareness, right? He was raising my awareness. He was saying, there's something going on with your wife. You need to find out what it is. He's just kind of raising that awareness. Now, why do I share that story? Um, do, do I share that story because, like, I'm some sort of model husband? Like, no, you know me too well. Uh, <laughs> I, no, but I'm sharing that story because it's a powerful illustration of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Now, I want you to think with me. We've been talking the last few weeks. We said the key to our freedom is learning to listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, right? But here's what I want you to catch. On one sense, you say, well, it's just a little thing, right? It's just a little story. Just one night. It wasn't the end of the world. It's just a, a moment where I needed to tune in. It didn't change our relationships in a major way. It wasn't the end. But, but that's the point. That's how the Holy Spirit works, that he comes to us every day in a variety of ways. He's trying to speak. He's trying to raise things. And here's what I want you to catch. And I want to do just a little sidebar here, all right? I want to do a sidebar because this, what happened in this situation with me is often, if not usually, the way the Holy Spirit works in our life. And I want, I want you to catch this. That when the Holy Spirit wants to transform, follow that language, when the Holy Spirit wants to transform an area of your life, Often, if not always, often the first step is to raise an, your awareness that something needs to change. Okay? That is the first step. The Holy Spirit begins to raise awareness in your life that something needs to change. Now, in this case, he was raising an awareness of my wife's need because he wanted to transform me in a small way in the area of kindness. Okay? But, but it wouldn't matter what the issue is. Like in your life, it could be totally different. Like, like say right now in your life, like the Holy Spirit may be raising an awareness in your life right now in the last month that, that he's calling to you, that he wants a deeper relationship with you personally, and that in order to have that, that you're going to need to spend some more time with him personally one-on-one, okay? Like he could be raising that awareness in your life. Um, it could be a, an area of the dark side. It could be that in your life that you're a very harsh person. And like when you deal with your spouse, you're very harsh in the way you talk with them or you put them down routinely. And the Holy Spirit wants to transform that. And so he just begins to make you begin to raise awareness of that in your life. You, just become, you start to become aware of that, how you talk to your wife or how you talk to your husband. Um, the awareness may be uh, with your kids. Your awareness may be that you've been working too many hours and you need to spend some concentrating time focused on your kids, and that, that begins to come, come up. It may be in the area of generosity, that God wants to, he, he wants to create in you more the heart of Jesus in your finances and generosity, and he's, he's beginning to create an awareness. Are you with me in this? Like, what I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit is going to transform all of our lives, and so, so what he does in your life, I, I don't know, but this is how it works. It starts with an awareness. Like, like right now, in my life, let me, let me share a, an awareness that's coming to me right now. That's like the last month or two. That, that God is raising an awareness in my life that, that he wants to teach me how to be like, uh, for lack of a better word, like the patriarch of our family. Okay, like, like, I, I've, like I feel like the Holy Spirit over my life, he taught me how to be a father to my children. I feel good about that. I feel like he, he taught me well how to be a good father. But, but now my, I, both my daughters are married, um, and, and, they, and they, uh, the one daughter has two, two young grandchildren. And, and now I'm moving into a different phase of my life, right? And I'm moving into this phase of being grandfather, and I'm moving into a phase of being like a patriarch of the family, right? And I don't really know how to do that. I don't really know how to do that. And what the Holy Spirit is, is teaching me, the last month or two, he's raising this awareness 
that, that he wants to teach me how to do that, that I need to be more intentional with my grandchildren. I need to be more intentional with the family, getting the family together. And, and here's what he's saying. You know how he's been doing it? You know how he started raising the awareness? It was through a TV show. There is a new TV show out uh, that is called Blue Bloods. Some of you may have seen it. It's, it's a story about several generations of, of cops in, in New York and their family and blah, blah, blah. And the story is not important. The, the thing is not a story. But, but I've watched it this season. And, and at the end of every show, this, this multi-generational family of policemen are t- together. They're kind of a Catholic family. And they're, they're praying together. Over, they have Sunday dinner together every week. And, and they're, they're, they're praying together at uh, this Sunday dinner. It's something you don't see much in our culture, right? On TV, you don't see family, and you don't see praying. <laughs> you certainly don't see family praying. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and so as, as I've watched this, and, and now it's been like seven or eight episodes, that, that God has used that to begin to surface an awareness in me that, that I need to be doing a better job of leading my family, my extended family. Are, are you with me in this? Now, here's the point. The only reason I share that is to share the diversity of this. Like, God wants to transform every area of our life, and he's got an agenda for your life, and this is how it works. Now, here's what I want you to catch. When the Holy Spirit brings you the awareness, catch this, the awareness is an invitation to transformation, okay? Now, now you do not want to miss that. Like, Like, if there's only one thing you take today, I want you to take that, that the awareness is the Holy Spirit's invitation to transformation. And when he begins to surface this awareness in our life, we have one of two choices. We can either run towards the awareness and ask God for clarity, or we can turn away from the awareness, turn the station. I don't want to hear that. Now now, now think of me. I'm sitting on the couch, 9 o'clock at night. The awareness comes. And my natural dark side wanted to turn away from that and said, I don't think I heard anything there. I think she's doing fine. She didn't look like they're that upset. She didn't say anything. She should have said something if she was upset. Right? How am I supposed to know? Right? It's not really my responsibility. Right? And I'm tired and I've worked hard and I've got to get some refreshment. I'm going to die. Right? And, that's, and so when the awareness comes, we have a choice to make. We can either turn towards it or he turns away. Now, here's the thing. When the awareness comes, the Holy Spirit will eventually give us a step to take. For me that night, my step was to put down my book, to call over to the kitchen and say, hey, Lynn, how was your day? To enter into the process with her. Now, if she said, you know, it was great, I'm doing fine, I guess I got it wrong, right? But, but, but that I needed, and that's what I did. So I had to start the process. Now, in whatever the area of your life, your marriage is going through hard times, and, and, and the Holy Spirit begins raising an awareness, you need to do some counseling, okay? The step is probably to email me and get some list of good counselors, right? Like that. And so, that, and the Holy Spirit, that just comes to you. I should probably email Mike and find out, you know? And, and that just comes. Uh, for some of you, it's like, you know, if it's in generosity, it's like the Holy Spirit begins putting a step. You, you need to start increasing your financial support of X, you know, you can just put that in your heart. Uh, there's a relationship that you're in that's tearing you down. And the Holy Spirit, because the step is you need to break up that relationship. You need to step. You see what I'm saying? That he'll give you a step. Now, here's the thing. When you follow the step that he gives you, you have now started down the process of transformation. And, and the Holy Spirit is set free to change you from the inside out. If you reject that step, you will become further entrenched in than ever in the harsh side, in the dark side, okay? So for example, the Holy Spirit raises up in your life that you have a harshness towards your wife and the way you talk with her. If you ignore that, you know what? You're gonna become more harsh. You've rejected, you've rejected, and it becomes embedded in your life. You respond, you move towards it, the transformation process. Now, that's the most important thing I'm going to say today, that process. We're going to go through uh, the rest of these three pretty quickly, but I want you to catch the process because Paul's just giving us examples. He's giving examples. Here's what the Holy Spirit's going to do as you follow his leading, okay? So the second example was kindness. Now, the third example is, is goodness. And by goodness, what I mean is all that's right and true and noble. 
So, so you could read the word goodness and you could say, well, that's a pretty generic word. That's a pretty boring word. Uh, and, and it's true. It's like in the New Testament, the, the word for goodness, it's, it's a very common word. It's, it's just the word that's used all the time, good as opposed to bad. Nothing special about it. But, but as, you stu- as you study the writings of Paul, you get the sense that what he's talking about is, no, I'm talking about goodness in the deepest sense of the word. All that's right, all that's noble, all that's beautiful, all that's true. Kind of goodness as God is good. Are you with me? Like, like, for example, in Genesis 1, at the end of every day of creation, God just did not overstate the case. He just said, he looked at it and he said, and it was, it was good. Remember that? And at the last day, it's very good. And this is who God is. He's good and he wants to change us. Now, of course, we see this in the life of Jesus. Uh, he, was, he was a man who was thoroughly good and he was a force for good. So he had good heart. Uh, his thoughts were good. Everything he did was good. He just, he just, he just was a force for good wherever he went. In fact, uh, one of my favorite descriptions from, uh, from, uh, about Jesus is from the Apostle Peter. And it comes not from where you expect it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It comes from the book of Acts. And so God speaks to Peter. He sends him to share the message of Christ with this Roman military officer, a man named Cornelius. Kind of the first time the message has gone to non-Jews. It's a big deal. And so when, when Peter gets to his house, he begins to share the story of Jesus and kind of describe it, a thumbnail sketch. And here's what he says. There in your note sheet, Acts chapter 10. He says, you know, talking to Cornelius, you know what has happened throughout Judea, you know, the southern part of Israel, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the home? Holy Spirit. Spirit. Okay, so he's anointed with the Holy Spirit. We're talking through the Spirit. Jesus was anointed with the Spirit and power and how he went around doing what? Good. Catch this? The, The Peter said, let me tell you about, he just went around just doing good things. I mean, he just, he was just, like, we're not talking like Boy Scouts, you know, kind of, you know, we're talking about, like, he was thoroughly good. He just was a force for good wherever he wants. So here's the idea. Before you came to Christ, uh, you were not good, right? And, And so the whole point of coming to Christ is to make you like him so that you are thoroughly good in the deepest sense of the word. Like the Apostle Paul gives us a, a, a hint of what he's talking about in the, the verse there on your note sheet in Philippians 4. Uh, he doesn't use the word good here, but I think he would agree that this is kind of what he's getting at with the word good. He says, um, brothers, whatever is true, what, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, you know, as opposed to polluted, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent, there's praiseworthy. Think about such things. This is what he means by good. Thoroughly good. What's, what's right, what's true, what's beautiful, what, what's noble. This is who he wants to turn us into. In fact, in the book of Titus, Paul's writing to this young pastor, Titus, about what to teach his church. And there in your note sheet, he kind of summarizes the whole Christian journey as moving from, a, moving from the dark side, the evil side, to, to being people who are forced for good. He puts it like this. At one point, at one time, we too, we, we were foolish, okay? We, we were stupid. We were idiots. Uh, we, we were disobedient. We were deceived, you know, by, by the, the, the enemy. We were enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We, we'd lost our freedom, our humanity. We, we lived in malice and envy. So we had broken relationships. Uh, we were being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness uh, and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. He rescued us from, from the dark side. And, and through the washing of rebirth and a renewal by the Holy Spirit, by the supernatural transformation we've been talking about. Okay? And he says, he's, remember, he's writing to Titus as a young pastor. He says, I want you to stress these things. You know, this is who we were. This is where he came from. So that those who have trusted in God may devote themselves to doing what is good. Okay? So, so, this is the idea is that the longer you follow Jesus, the more you become a force for good whatever, wherever you go. Your family, your marriage, uh, your, your community, your, your job, that you, you just become a force for good, something deeply good wherever you go. Now, uh, number four. The fourth quality he talks about is faithfulness. So this is the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> it's love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, and it's faithfulness. 
Now, very interesting word. This is the normal word in the Greek for faith. Okay, so it's the word pistis. And so, like, when you see any time in the New Testament, like, you know, if you had faith the size of mustard, anytime it says faith, it's just the normal Greek word for faith. But, but most scholars and translators believe that based on the context here, Paul's not really talking about faith. He's talking about faithfulness. This is kind of a character quality of being faithful. In other words, that, that you would be reliable. That, that you would be a person who tells the truth always. You'd be a person of integrity. You're a person who, who not only makes commitments, but you keep your commitments, and not just when they're convenient. Right? That you're a person who not only makes promises, you, you keep your promises, you're utterly reliable. People can, God can trust you, others can, can trust you. Now, you know, we talked about this life of Jesus. Um, when you think of his life, uh, this is who he was, right? This is who he is. Uh, you can trust him. He's reliable. Um, the last night, Jesus is with his men. He knows he's about to be arrested. He's just shared with him he's about to leave. They are freaking out. It's a crisis in their life. And I don't know if you, if you remember what Jesus told them, but in John 14, what? He, he comes in that moment of crisis and he said, listen, I know you trust in God. I want you to also trust in me. Okay. Now what he's really saying is, is guys, you've been here for, for three years. You, you've been with me for three years. You, you know, you, you've been with me through, through everything. And, and you know that you can trust me. I have told you the truth. I've always been straight with you. I've always come through. I've always done what I've said. I'm telling you, this is going to work out. Now, now I need you to trust me, okay? And, and so, so what Paul is saying is that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, one of his goals is to transform you to be a person who is utterly trustworthy. Now, when you, when you stop and think about it, this is one of the most important character qualities in life because this is the foundation for relationship, isn't it? Like, like if, let's say that you and I just meet and we start to become friends. One of the questions I'm going to have about you is, can I trust you? Like, like, will you tell me the truth always? Or are there times when, when you will not tell me the truth if it's not convenient for you, if it costs you? Uh, when, when you tell me you'll do something, can I rely on that? If you make a commitment, will you follow through? If you promise to do something, will you, will, will you keep your promise? Are you a person of integrity? Can I trust you? And, and, and to the extent that I sense I can trust you, our relationship can grow, right? But, but to, if, if I can't trust you, then it's going to damage our relationship. And so Paul says one of the qualities that, that the Holy Spirit will, lead, he, he will create in us that, that we become a person who's trustworthy. God can trust us. Other people can trust us. Now, um, let, me, let me say this. that I, I think this is one of the most important qualities of Christ followers that, that I think that, that, it, that we're not listening often to the Holy Spirit today. Um, here, here's what I've noted. I, you know, we live in the midst of a culture that is fast losing this quality, right? Like some of you have been alive a long time, and you can remember back 40, 50 years ago, it was a different world, wasn't it? There was a time where uh, a person's word was their bond, right? And, and if they made a commitment, they, they were going to follow through on their commitment. Now, not everybody, but I'm just saying in general, that's the way culture was, wasn't it? It was much more like that. We, we live in a day and age where, where someone is going to tell the truth until it costs them something. Uh, we live in a day and age where, where often people are going to keep their commitments until it's no longer convenient, and we almost think of it like this. Our culture thinks like, well, yeah, I made that commitment, but when I made that commitment, I didn't know what it was going to cost me. If I knew what it was going to cost me, I never would have made the commitment. So since it's now costing more than I, than I intended, I'm no longer keeping the commitment because that's, I, I, that's not really what I committed to in my mind, right? That's how our world thinks. Uh, we, we're, we're a world that uh, uh, promises are, not, are kept as long as it doesn't, you know, hurt too badly. And here's the thing. Uh, this is a, for, for us as Christ followers, I, I think that we've often, uh, that because we've grown up in this culture, because we're living in this culture, we're being infected by the culture. Right? And, and I see this sometimes, and, and instead of listening to the Holy Spirit, we're, we're listening to the culture. We're letting it shape us. Like, let me give you an example. Um, a marriage. Uh, you know, if, if the studies are right, um, the, the studies say that 
that those who claim to be Christians, and I have real serious questions, whether these people claiming to be Christians are really Christians, but, but according to the studies out there, that when it comes to marriage and divorce, did you know there's just as many people who claim to be Christians going through divorce, or more so than people who are not Christians? Now, does that strike you there's something wrong with that? Like, if you're a Christian, the most important relationship in your life is with your spouse. Like, that is the most important relationship in your life. It's more important than your kids. It's more important than your parents. It's more important than your friends. That is your number one relationship, all right? And so when we come to Christ, he asks us to be faithful to that relationship, to be reliable to that relationship. And so how can we be in the situation where Christians are giving up on their marriage? So, so like, how does that work, you see? Now, now, I realize, I understand that there's some kind of unusual, extreme situations where, yes, that divorce is the, the better of two evils. I understand that. I'm not saying there's never a time and a place. But I'm saying if we're, and I'm not talking about your past. I don't care where you came from in your past. I don't care if you married 18 times in your past. You're a Christ follower now, right? That's all I care about from here on forward. Jesus doesn't care where he came from. He cares where you're going, right? So, so I'm saying you're a Christ follower that, that we need to be committed to our, our marriage, and that's why we take these vows of commitment, right? See, it's a funny thing because the reality is if most of us knew what was involved in marriage, we never would have made that commitment, right? See, so when you get married, you think marriage is about two people in love for the rest of their life, right? Then you get married, you find out, Marriage is about two dysfunctional people linked together forever, right? right that's what it is, right? Okay, two sinner, sinners who are now stuck, like forever, right? And, and so it's, it's in our marriage that God teaches us how to love. It's in our marriage God teaches us how to die to ourself. It's in our marriage that, that he teaches us how to follow him and put the other person first. Right? That, that marriage is more about holiness than it is about happiness. You see? It's about following Christ. You see? And the irony is it's this level of commitment that makes the marriage work. You see? But it's not, it's not just in marriage. I mean, it's in ministry. I, I, I'm blown away sometimes. I'll, I'll see here a list with some kind of event or some kind of party or a friend's putting on a party and it's Christ followers come to this thing and, and we'll RSVP and then we just don't show up. It's like we just don't even show, right? Or, or we'll sign up for a ministry and, and so now we're working in children's ministry, we're working in uh, first impression, we're working in some ministry and it's our weekend to serve and, and we just don't show up. We don't call, we don't show up. It's like, are you kidding me? Like we are Christ followers, right? We, we follow the man who said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? You, you do what you say. You, you follow through. This is what we do. And I, I don't think it's the Holy Spirit's not talking to us. I, I think we're just not listening. You know? uh, I see this sometimes in, in our life groups, you know, there's so many, you're in great groups. I think for most of our people, most of you are very committed to that. You signed up, you're going to do the homework, you're going to show up, and you do, right? But, but, but for some of you, you know it's not true that you signed that thing. I'm going to show up, I'm going to do my homework, and, and you come. And, and you, either you don't come or you come, you're not prepared, right? Are you, are you catching this? This is basic stuff, basic following Jesus stuff. And so here's what Paul's saying, is that when you follow the Holy Spirit, when you're listening, he is going to turn you into a person who is absolutely reliable. He's going to turn you. Your kids can trust you. Your friends can trust you. The people in the body of Christ can trust you. Your leaders can trust you. Your coworkers, they know. You're, a per, you're going to tell the truth regardless of the cost. When you make a commitment, you're going to keep the commitment even when it hurts. When you give a promise... You're signing it in your blood, right? This is who you are. You are a person who can be trusted, right? And that's where he's taking us. Now, last one. The last one is, uh, is gentleness. And, and I'm defining that as the tender touch. 
And, and so um, gentleness uh, is, is a word a lot like kindness. So we look like, or there's a lot of overlap. And in fact, if you stop and think of this list, what you'll see is there's a lot of overlap throughout the list. Uh, for example, uh, if you love someone, we know in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, right? Uh, if you have peace in your life, you have joy in your life, we have joy, you're probably going to have peace. If you have peace, likely you might have joy, but those things are going to usually kind of go together. So there's, there's overlap. And so, so there's overlap here between kindness and gentleness. And yet Paul throws in this word as an additional uh, kind of descriptor. And, uh, and Jesus actually uses this word to describe himself. And so there in your note sheet, very famous verse, uh, Matthew eleven twenty two, 22, Jesus uh, he says to his followers, take my yoke upon you, which is the way the rabbis would talk about becoming their follower. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am what? I'm gentle and I'm what? And I'm humble in heart. And so those two go together and you will find rest for your soul. So here's what Jesus is saying. We've talked about how he can be incredibly tough, tough as nails, but he's got this tenderness about him. And he says part of that tenderness, there's a gentleness about Jesus. That, that if you come to Jesus, you know you're messed up, you know you're screwed up, you, you know you need help, that, that he's not going to rub your nose in that. He's not going to be harsh about that. He's going to welcome you. He's going to love you. He's going to say, why don't you kind of link your life up with mine, share my yoke, come alongside, because I, I'm gonna be, I'll, be, I'll be gentle with you, and, and I'll be humble with you. I'm not going to make you feel bad about this, uh, and, and, and I'm going to lead you to a place of rest in your life. I, I'm going to teach you how to live. I'm going to lead you to a place of safety. Okay? And you see this throughout the life of Jesus, right? Like with, with the, the self-righteous religious leaders, he's tough as nails. But when someone comes, they know they're messed up. He never rubs their nose in it, right? He's, he's always very gentle with them. He just gently heals them, gently restores them, gently gets them back on track. And this is exactly what, what, uh, what the Holy Spirit wants to create in our life. He wants to create a gentleness in our life. So let me ask you something. Are you a gentle person. The question is not, can, do, can you say the hard things, the tough things? Of course, and that's part of life, you know, and Jesus said hard things and tough things. I'm not saying, you know, but, but is there a gentleness about your life? And what he's saying is that the longer you follow Jesus, the more you will grow in gentleness. So, so here's, here's the idea. If you've been a follower of Jesus for 30 years and, and you are still harsh and hard in your life, I guarantee you, you've not been listening to the Holy Spirit. It, you, you've been ignoring the Holy Spirit for 30 years because this is who he creates us to be. Right? This is where he leads us. And so, so let's, let's wrap this thing up. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying that, that when we become a follower of Jesus, we enter into this transformation process. The Holy Spirit comes in. He begins to lead and guide. And if we follow his leading, he will transform us and we will become like Christ. Okay, so here's nine specific examples of the type of experience. It's not an exhaustive list. Here's nine examples of the type of characteristics that he will create in our life as we follow. But I want you to catch one last thing. That what the Apostle Paul is also doing is he's painting a picture for us of freedom. Okay, so, so this whole series has been about freedom. Back in chapter 5, verse 13, you know, verse 1 is for freedom that you've been set free. And, and so Though he's calling us to freedom, that we would be freed up to be the people that we were created to be, right? I've said that so many times. So the question is, what does it look like to be like Christ, but what does it look like to live this life of freedom? What does that look like? And Paul says, okay, let me give you nine words. Uh, it looks like, first of all, it looks like love. It looks like, like freedom looks like having a passion for God and true compassion for others. Well, what else, Paul? Okay, well, it looks like, it looks like joy, like a deep uh, satisfaction with life that flows out of the inner part of yourself. You can't even explain it. It flows out of your relationship with God. It's not based on, it's just a joy of life. Okay, well, what else? Well, well to be free, it looks like being at peace. It, like p vertical peace with God, uh, horizontal peace with others, shalom. It looks like being peace of mind, peace with yourself. Okay, well, what else? Well, it looks like being the kind of person that has this inner strength that, that, that is, does not get easily frustrated or irritated with life. There's, there's a strength in you. You're able to cope with, with life. Well, what else does it, does it look like? Well, it looks like kindness, 
It, it looks like this deep sensitivity. You have a radar for others in your life, and you're aware of their needs, and you're aware of what they need, and you're, you're moving towards them to meet that with this sensitivity. Okay, well, what else is it like? Well, it looks like, like being a person who's all about what's right and true and good. It's about a person who, who pursues the noble, and it's a force for good wherever they are. Well, what else is it like? Well, it looks like being a person that's utterly trustworthy, that those around you know that they can depend on you. You are a person of absolute in- integrity. See? Well, what else does it look like? Well, it looks like as you move towards people who are hurting, as you move in a world that's, that's in pain, that there's a gentleness about you, there's a safety about you, that people can, can gravitate towards you and they find rest when they're with, with you. See? Okay, you see? So you understand? Paul is painting us a picture of the life and the freedom, what it means to be a Christ follower. And here's the good news. The good news is you don't have to turn yourself into that. The good news is that the Holy Spirit's on your case, right? He is managing your life. He is in charge of the process. Our job is to respond to his leading. And as he brings to our awareness, to recognize the awareness is an invitation to transformation and to follow the steps he puts. And as we follow, we're transformed. We become like Christ and we move into the future and the freedom that he died to give us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, your faithfulness to us as your people, your people here at this church, this church at Rocky Peak, where you're, you're, you're coming alongside, you're teaching, you're leading, you're molding, you're shaping. God, we're sensing your faithfulness to us, that you're not leaving us on our own, that you are coming. You're coming with your spirit. You're coming with your power, and you're transforming us as a church. And so, God, we want to be that church. We want to be that church of of love and joy and peace. We want to be a church of patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And so, God, we pray that you would release that in our midst and that you would bring to our awareness, you would guide us so that we would follow, we would run towards the light, we would be transformed in in our marriages, in our, in our families, in our ministries, in the community, in the workplace, that we would truly be a force for good. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Take my life, all of, all of me. You know, there's one thing about life is that it's not a game. You know, we learned that back in the garden. Uh, God says, uh, Pursue me, life. Don't pursue me, there's death. And uh, man, he, he wasn't kidding, was he? The amazing thing about, about God is just so much grace, and yet, like, life is, life is serious business. Uh, life is real. It, it's, it's, it's playing for keeps. It's like he said to Israel, like Moses said to Israel, I set before you today life and death, so choose life that you may live. And so... So God comes to us as a church. He comes to us as individual Christ followers. And he says, I've sent my spirit into your lives. He's going to lead you to freedom. But the flip side of that is to ignore the leading, is to choose the dark side in death. Right? Man. Hey, see, life matters. Life matters. Every day matters. Our choices matter. It's the way he's designed it. And so I, I hope you're hearing this, the grace of God that he's calling you to freedom. But I hope you realize what's at stake, that, that the, the, the purpose of your life is at stake every day, right? He's calling us to freedom. He's calling us to life. But to ignore the Holy Spirit means we live in what? Death, destruction, right? And so may, may this week, may, may you listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit as he brings that awareness to your life of areas he wants to grow you. Receive that as his invitation to transformation. And, and instead of turning away from that awareness, even if it's uncomfortable, run towards it. Ask him for more clarity. And as you do, he will show you the steps to take. And as you do, That will lead you to life. Amen?
Amen. Hope you can be with us next week. Uh, next week, we have a special service planned. You know, it's kind of a sidebar to this series. Um, last week, we looked at a passage in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we were talking about peace. And so Paul says, uh, don't worry about anything, but everything, bring your prayers, your requests to God, along with thanksgiving and the peace of God, then will guard your hearts and minds. And so we want to talk about that. How does that peace work in our life? What's the connection between peace in our life and thanksgiving? And so we're going to do a message on that about thanksgiving kind of in, in honor of this week. All right, so it's going to be a great time. I hope you can be here. So may the Lord um, be with you. May he lead and guide you. And may you pursue him with all your heart. And when he raises your awareness, may you turn towards it and not a way that you might be transformed, that you might become like Christ, and that you might experience the freedom that Christ died to give you. God bless you. Have a great week. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For lead pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening.